in which we see the dispersion and persecution. Uh, Moses prophesied that Israel would be plucked from off the land and scattered among all the people from one end of the earth even unto the other. And there, sh- <clears throat> and there she would define it, nor ease, neither shall the sole of thy foot have rest, but the Lord shall give thee there a trembling heart and failing of eyes and sorrow of mind, and thy life shall hang in doubt before thee, and thou shalt fear day and night, and shalt have none assurance of thy life. And we see that there, of course, in, in Deuteronomy 28 again. So dispersion and persecution we're looking at uh, this morning. The prophecy began to be fulfilled with the destruction uh, of Israel's first temple and her 70-year captivity to Babylon in 586 uh, BC. But that was only the beginning. Moses said that the Deuteronomy prophecy would be fulfilled <coughs> in the latter days. And uh, we saw that last week, I think, in Deuteronomy 31 uh, and verse 29. I'm not sure if we actually picked that particular verse up which did not begin until the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, in 70 AD, the Roman armies under General Titus conquered Jerusalem. Hundreds of thousands of Jews were killed or died of starvation. Thousands were crucified. In fact, uh, uh, Brother Cloud notes that 97,000 were taken prisoner. And uh, I've thrown this chart in here. This is from my Olivet Discourse uh, presentation. When the disciples asked the, the Lord Jesus Christ, when shall these things be? And uh, we read there in uh, Matthew 24, verses 1 and 2. Uh, you won't find this in your notes, by the way. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, See not all these things. Verily I say unto you, uh, there shall not be left here one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. The Lord had already prophetically made a statement as to the event in question and all its horror in Matthew 23 and verse 38, in which he said, Behold, your house is left unto you destined. In fact, it's been destined, of course, until this very day. They have no temple. And that's the whole catalyst of Israel's desire is to have that third temple. They are preparing for it. They are planning for it. In verse 39 of Matthew 23, it says, For I say unto you, the Lord said, He shall not see me henceforth till he shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so as we think about the, this, the temple, the first temple uh, was uh, built uh, by King Solomon on Mount Moriah. We see that in 2 Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1. It was built according to the divine plans given to uh, his father David. And again, we see that in 1 Chronicles, uh, chapter 22, 5 to 6, and Chronicles 28, 11 to 12, and, uh, and 19. And the glory of the God filled it. We see that in 1 Kings, chapter 8, and verses 10 to 11. It was a plan divinely given by God uh, to David, but uh, d- David then to gave those plans to Solomon. But the glory of God filled the temple. In fact, only the first temple was filled by the glory of God. The second temple was not, and neither will the third temple be filled with the glory of God. The fourth temple, the millennial temple, will be filled with the glory of the Lord. And the first temple was destroyed in 586, 
uh, by the Babylonian arm, armies under Nebuchadnezzar. Again, we see that in 2 Kings uh, chapter 25, verse 9. And the reason was <coughs> Israel's sin against God. And again, 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verses 15 through to 21 uh, gives us uh, that information. The second temple was built after the Jews returned from the Babylonian captivity in 516 BC, led by Zerubbabel, uh, during the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. Then, beginning in 19 BC, the second temple was enlarged and glorified by Herod the Great, and he placed a golden eagle, the symbol of Roman power, over the eastern entrance, ignoring the fact that God's law forbids graven images. In 70 AD, of course, the second temple was destroyed, as I've said before, by the Roman 10th Legion under General uh, Titus. And uh, Daniel 9.26 draws our attention to that, and also, again, as the, uh, the Lord uh, drew the attention of the disciples to the very fact of what would take place in Matthew 24 and verse 2. Here's a, a model of the second temple. If you've ever been to, uh, to Israel... Uh, there is that's a model of uh, Jerusalem and the Second Temple. Uh, it is one of the Kabbalah's best-loved visitor sites, uh, first opened in 1966 on the grounds of a Jerusalem hotel. It was built at the behest of the hotel's owner, Hans Krosh, in memory of his son Jacob, who fell in Israel's War of Independence. But when construction activities around the hotel necessitated the models moved, the Israeli uh, museum welcomed it, and it was reopened in 2006. It is a 1 to 50 scale a model and now occupies 21,500 square feet, or 1,997.415 square meters, uh, next to the landmark Shrine of the Book, where the Dead Sea rolls and the earliest copies of the Hebrew Bible ever found are displayed. Again, in 78, and you'll find this in, in your book there this morning, Israel's second temple was destroyed by Roman armies. 65 years later, Jerusalem was raised after Rome, put down the Bar Koba revolt. A pagan city was built on the site, dedicated to Jupiter. The emperor Hadrian, Hadrian, of course, is famous for, if you know something about uh, uh, the Roman uh, architectural uh, work done in the UK. There is a wall that divides the northern part of England and Scotland called Hadrian's Wall. And he was responsible for that. <laughs> the Emperor Hadrian changed Judea's name to Syria Palestinia. Multitudes of Jews were slaughtered and most of the rest were carried away captive or fled to other parts of of the world. Jews are persecuted by the Roman emperors in AD 70, as I've already drawn your attention to. This was an arch, the Arch of Titus, uh, in Rome, which commemor commemorates the destruction of the Jewish temple in AD 70. It was constructed in 81 AD by the emperor Domitian, uh, shortly after the death of his older brother Titus, uh, to commem commemorate Titus's official. Um, victory of the of uh, the of uh, Jerusalem and uh, and the temple and Titus together with their father Vespasian over the Jewish rebellion in Judea. Here is a plaque again that is in that arch. Uh, articles of the temple, such as the menorah, uh, the silver trumpets, 
that are engraved inside the arch, and that is on both sides. For 1,900 years, Israel has been dispersed and she's been persecuted and tormented wherever she has wandered, wherever she's wandered. And again, you can look at, uh, at secular history and you can see what has taken place uh, with regards to uh, anti-Semitism. In fact, anti-Semitism today is as bad as it was in the, th- in the Second World War. She's been hated uh, by the Romans, the Greeks, the Muslims, the Roman Catholic Church, the Byzantines, uh, from, and the Orthodox Church, the Spanish. The Jews, in fact, were evicted from Spain in 1492. The Venetians, the Jews were forced to live in the ghetto. The English uh, Jews were expelled from England in 12, 1290. The Russians, Jews were driven out of Russia in the 1880s. Uh, the Germans, the early Lutherans, and many others, and anti-Semitism is on the rise, I've said again, to today. Historic evidence is found in countless books and museums. Here we have an image of, uh, of the medieval Jews with patches on their garments in the shape of Moses' tablets of the law being persecuted. With again, Brother Cloud found this in the, in the British Library. Plundering uh, uh, Jewish homes was very much part of, uh, of persecution of the Jews. Uh, countless Jews were murdered by the Roman Catholic Crusaders. The Jews were persecuted by the Muslims. And again, Jews, including rabbis, were killed in England in the 12th century. And in 1290, all Jews who refused to convert to Catholicism, because that was the religion of the day there in uh, in, in, the, in England, were evicted from the country and their property confiscated. They were not allowed to return for 400 years until the time of Oliver Cromwell. If you know your history at all, your European history, uh, Oliver Cromwell is, uh, is very much a, a major uh, um, character within, within uh, English history. In the 1492, the Jews were evicted from Spain. In the 1880s, Jews were slaughtered and driven out of Russia. It's interesting today with the current uh, war scenario uh, that's taken place that there are thousands of Jews that uh, have made uh, application to come out of Russia and, and go to Israel. The Roman Catholic Church was behind most of the persecution of the Jews uh, in Europe during the Dark Ages. Here's a slide here that's showing uh, Vad uh, Vashem. Six million Jews were murdered by Hitler during World War II. The Holocaust of World War II was another fulfillment of the ancient prophecy uh, in Deuteronomy 28. The Holocaust Museum of Vad Vashem in Jerusalem witnesses to the bitter sorrow that Israel experienced the hands of the Germans. The nine galleries in the, main, in the main museum are devoted to different chapters of the Holocaust. Anybody been there? Anne and I have, have been there. It is really quite uh, a sobering at all, going through all those galleries to see what uh, t- took place. There's one thing to see is a cinema photo, footage of, of war, etc., and what happened in the Second World War, but to see what happened to the nation of Israel and to go through each one of those galleries. 
is a very sobering, uh, uh, how can I say, effect on your life. I understand there's a Holocaust museum here in Adelaide. Has anybody been to that? That would be worth finding out about what, because that's the, there is one here uh, in Adelaide. From the rise of Hitler to his death, <coughs> it's, we, we see in that museum all that took place. There are hundreds of disturbing photographs and artifacts. Uh, they experienced arrests. Uh, in the middle of the night, destroyed synagogues, Jews marked with armbands, and the Star of David, Jews mocked, beaten, spat on, burned, shot, poisoned, uh, heaps of corpses, uh, frightened children, pathetic faces peering out of cattle cars. That's what they literally did. They pushed them, stuffed them, effectively, into cattle cars and starved them. And here, this picture here is one of the, the parts of the gallery there, many and varied artifacts displayed along the path of each of those galleries of the museum demonstrate and highlight the personal stories of Jews who lived under Nazi occupation. Many people have said that this should not happen again, and yet we are seeing that exactly what's taking place in Ukraine today. The horrendous... Uh, events that have taken place there. The Holocaust of World War II was another fulfillment, as I said, of ancient prophecy in Deuteronomy 28. The Jews were herded into ghettos uh, in, in Venice, Rome, and many other European nations. <coughs> An horrendous time. Yet Israel remains a distinct people through the long centuries of her dispersion. In 1754, Bishop Thomas Newton wrote of the Jews, their preservation is really one of the most illustrious acts of divine providence. They are dispersed among all nations, yet not confounded with any. They can produce their pedigree from the beginning of the world. After wars, massacres, and persecutions, they still subsist they are still quite numerous. What but a supernatural power could have preserved them in such a manner as no other nation on earth has been preserved? What Walter Scott and other Bible believers long envisioned because of their faith in Bible prophecy happened in 1948. Israel was not only restored to the Holy Land, but she announced the establishment of a modern state. On page 69 there we read, Walter Scott wrote, The once mighty monarchies of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome have risen, flourished, and fallen, leaving no permanent results behind. But the Jews, whose reliable history goes further back than any of those ancient kingdoms, are with us today in physiognomy, and national characteristics, the Jew is unchanged in a history of nigh 4,000 years. The Jews as a people cannot be destroyed. God is their keeper and preserver, even while under his governmental judgment, as they are today, they are in spiritual blindness, as we know. The Jews, without a home, without a country, without a government, without a head, and yet a people as distinct from the Gentiles in national faith, feeling, and hope 
as in the days of David and Solomon. We see that in Walter Scott's books, At Hand or Things Which Must Surely Come to Pass. Bible prophecy not only described Israel's dispersion and trouble, it foretold that Israel would be brought back into her land. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 to 5, and many other prophecies describe Israel's return. Bible believers knew that Israel was going to be restored because the prophecies required it. In 1910, for example, when the Ottoman Empire still ruled the land of Israel and only a few Jews lived there, Walter Scott uh, wrote uh, concerning the restoration of the Hebrew Commonwealth is the first and indispensable necessity for the arrangement of the situation to suit the requirements of the prophetic orderly system mapped out in the Word. The whole prophetic future depends on that primary fact. The Jew, and not the Gentile, is the center of God's government of the earth. Hence, all take shape and color from the settlement of Judah in her land. This will be the great political event of the centuries, and one which will attract universal attention whenever and by whomsoever the return of Judah is affected. The result will be to change the whole political government of the world. The restoration of Israel to Palestine is the first and fundamental necessity demanded by prophecy. So here again we see Sir Wallace Scott, a man used of God to draw attention to what is to take place according to the Scriptures. And certainly with the tribulation, when God deals with Israel in the first half of the tribulation when they repent, and one-third of the Israeli populace, because two-thirds will perish. But one-third will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be the remnant. But they also will be the catalyst for the millennial kingdom. And they will hold their true position. And there will be restoration in two phases. Israel's return is described in the amazing prophecy of Ezekiel, chapter 37, 1 to 14. We've dealt, just dealt with pastors the last couple of weeks in 38 and 39. The, it's, it's, <coughs> that war that will take place at the beginning of the tribulation. But prior to that chapter before, deals about their return. And here Israel, Israel is described as a valley of dry bones. Verse 11 gives the interpretation these bones are the whole house of Israel. Dry bones was her condition for the past 2,000 years. She was scattered to the ends of the earth and it appeared that she was dead and finished. Ezekiel is told, is, is told that Israel will be brought to life and restored in two stages. First, she will be brought back to the land, but in a spiritually dead condition. That's Israel today. They are spiritually dead. Yet God is still protecting them because they should have been wiped out years ago. But they are God's chosen people. They are apple of his eye. Verse 8 says, The dead bones were raised up, raised, but where there was no breath in them. Then she would experience spiritual revival. This will happen during the Great Tribulation, as I've just said, just prior to Christ's second coming.
This is where Israel stands today. At midnight on May the 14th, 1948, the new state of, its, of Israel was announced. <clears throat> I pressed something that I shouldn't have pressed. I'm back. The official declaration said, page 70, we're on now, we hereby proclaim the establishment of the Jewish state of Palestine, Palestine, be called Medinath Yisrael, the state of Israel. The state of Israel will be open to the immigration of Jews from all countries of their dispersion. Our call goes out to the Jewish people all over the world to rally to our side in the task of immigration and development and to stand by us in the great struggle for the fulfillment of the dream of generations for the redemption of Israel. With trust in Almighty God, we set our hand to this declaration. At this session at the Provisional State Council on the soil of the homeland in the city of Tel Aviv, on this Sabbath eve, the 5th of Yah, 5708, otherwise known as the 14th of May, 1948. Eleven minutes indeed after <coughs> later, Harry S. Truman, the 33rd President of the United States, serving from 1945 to 15, 1953, a Baptist, announced US, the United States' recognition of Israel. Truman's decision was hard fought, opposed by the U.S. State Department on the basis of pragmatism. Truman with uh, Ben Gurion here down the bottom right-hand corner, and uh, he made the decision on biblical grounds. Uh, Clark Clifford, the special counsel to Truman, said the president was a student and a believer in the Bible since his youth, and that from his reading in the Old Testament, he felt the Jews derived a legitimate historical right to Palestine. The Palestine Post Sunday, the May the 24th, 1948, with the headlines, State of Israel Born. The Jews uh, celebrated throughout the world. Thanksgiving services were held in synagogues everywhere. In Rome, the Jews paraded under the Arch of Titus. Up until that time, they would never walk through the Arch of Titus because it reminded them of what took place when the Roman Empire scattered the nation of Israel, destroyed the temple, uh, took the menorah, the silver trumpets, out of the temple. But the 24th of May, 1948, was a day of celebration. And indeed, they went through and had Thanksgiving services and paraded under the arch, which memorializes the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. They were saying, we're back from the dead. It was the most dramatic fulfillment of Ezekiel 37. The ancient Roman Empire, with all of its glory, is gone, but Israel remains. Immediately, the new Jewish state was plunged into the war of independence as the Jews were forced to defend itself against large, well-supplied Arab armies. The Arab League was composed of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, and Iraq. 
Britain had done everything it could to arm the Arabs and to disarm the Jews. Israel's enemies not only attacked from outside the country, they also were already entrenched within the country when fighting started. Israel won the war of independence against all odds. But that was only the beginning of her struggle. In 1956, the Suez War was fought to force Egypt to allow access for Israel's ships through the Suez Canal. Then there was the Six-Day War in 1967 against the coalition of Egypt, Jordan, Syria and Iraq with Saudi Arabia, Sudan, Tunisia, Morocco and Algeria contributing troops and arms. The Six-Day War was followed by Egypt's war of attrition against Israel from 1968 to 1970. Then there was the Yom Kippur War of 1973, when Israel was attacked on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, by Egypt in the south and Syria in the north. These two Muslim nations were joined in a support role by Lebanon, Iraq, Kuwait, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Algeria, Tunisia, Libya, Sudan, Uganda, Cuba, Morocco, and Pakistan. The Soviet Union provided planes and tanks and armaments of all sorts, including thousands of missiles targeting Israel's air force. Israel was massively outgunned. But Israel is alive and well by God's good hand. Amen? These major wars <coughs> against Israel are only the tip of the iceberg. There's been continual military conflict with Muslim groups such as the Palestinians Authority, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Islamic Jihad. Thus, it is in the face of great opposition that Israel is back in the land. And a continued presence, there's been a constant miracle, but Israel is spiritually blind and dead, just as Ezekiel prophesied, the signs, of course, are all too evident. Israel's uh, spiritual blindness is evident in a stubborn rejection of the Messiah. We were told by a Jewish guide, Brother David Cloud uh, uh, indicates here, uh, that it is against the law in Israel to preach Christ publicly or distribute gospel tracts. That's why so often Brother Andrew Lewis gets chased out of town. And perhaps some of you don't even know there's been times when he has spent time in jail. There's been times when he's had to literally take out of the, off out of the country altogether. Because that which the Lord has laid upon his heart is to witness to the Jew of the coming Messiah. When we try to talk to him, Brother Cloud says about Jesus, uh, the Messiah, he refused to listen, curtly ending the conversation with a statement, that is your opinion. And really this exemplifies the frightful condition of the vast majority of Jews today. Israel's blindness, spiritual blindness, evident in Israel's overweening uh, pride. For the most part, Israel is puffed up and does not glorify God, even for the miracle of a restoration and the winning of her modern wars. While throwing a few crumbs of thanksgiving and acknowledgement to God for these great miracles, Israel's leaders and military heroes and technology typically get the bulk of the credit. 
Nothing has changed since Gideon's day when God had to take away the vast majority of Israel's army and leave only 300 fighting men so that she would not glorify herself for the victory. And indeed, as you look at the modern wars of Israel, they are miracles, totally outgunned. And yet God's hand is upon them, and they've won those victories. And they still stand today. Israel's spiritual death is evident in that she has exalted rabbinic, a tradition to an authority above God's word. Even the ultra-Orthodox are no better than the Pharisees of old. They pray, but their prayers are vain, showy rituals. They visit the railing wall to be near the old Holy of Holies and make a great show of putting on their phylacteries in just the right manner and praying in a certain posture with certain movements. They keep dietary laws, what they term as kosher, but they go far beyond what the Bible commands. For example, the Bible says you must not see the kid in her mother's milk. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 21, Jewish tradition adds to this by concluding that it is wrong to mix meat with any dairy product such as cheese. In other words, no cheeseburgers. God's law does not require this. It is, vain, it is a vain human tradition that has been added to God's holy law. As in Jesus' day, the Jews still strain at gnats and swallow camels, as the Lord said in Matthew 23 and 24. But in despite of those dietary laws, I've got to tell you, Jewish food is very, very nice. Israel's spiritual blindness is evident in the field of archaeology. Jewish archaeologists uh, who should be at the forefront of finding evidence for the truth of the Bible are among its fiercest enemies. We are told that archaeologists in Tel Aviv are at the forefront of biblical skepticism. That's hard for a Welshman. Adam Sotel, who was excavated Joshua's altar at Mount Ebal, told Steve Rudd that the most anti-biblical forces of archaeology are the professors in the various universities in Israel. How sad is that? A two million golden candlestick, two million dollar golden candlestick sits just across the temple from the Temple Mount waiting for the third temple as mute witness to the the divine inspiration of the Bible. The Bible says this temple will be occupied by the Antichrist. The Lord said that in Matthew 24, 15. And also Paul writes it in 2 Thessalonians 2 and, and verse 4. The Lord says, When he therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by, the Dan- by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth let him understand. And so we have that as we think about the, uh, the tribulation, the white horse rider, the very, the very first rider, coming in peace, the Antichrist, allowing them to build the third temple. They drop down the walls. So the Russian alliance decides them up. The walls are down. They think they've got everything together. Let's go in and get them. And then halfway through the tribulation, who is this that's standing in the temple? The Antichrist. The whole scene changes dramatically. That's another message, of course. And then in, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 4, but who's, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped 
so that he is as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so Paul there draws our attention to the position of the Antichrist halfway through the tribulation. Indeed, the revival of Israel will occur during the Great Tribulation after the rapture of church-age saints. So the events of the tribulation, the church will not experience. Amen? We'll be out of here. That's the next event. What takes place in the tribulation will be in the glory, standing before the judgment seat of Christ. But Israel will be revived in that first half of the tribulation. And so as we think about Israel here in conclusion, in spite of her blindness, Israel is fulfilling Bible prophecy. She is back in the land and she is preparing for the building of the third temple, which is prophesied in Scripture. Let me just draw your attention to these last two slides, or one slide, again with regards to Israel. Israel is uniquely special unto God. We see that in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Israel is the apple of God's eye, Deuteronomy 32, verses 9 and 10. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land, and in the waste howling wilderness he led him about, he instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Zechariah 2, 8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath he sent me unto the nations which spoiled you, for he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. Israel is God's peculiar treasure. Psalm 135 verse 4 tells us, The Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. Israel is God's elect. Isaiah 45 verse 4 tells us, For Jacob my servant's sake, my, and Israel mine elect, I have even called thee by thy name, I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. Israel is God's glory. Isaiah 46 and verse 13, I bring thee in my righteousness, it shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry, and I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Israel is very, very special to our Heavenly Father. And as a brother once said to me, I think I might have mentioned to the brother that died in that carousel I had in 2003, he said, always keep your eye on Israel. It's the timepiece. It's the catalyst of God's prophecy. Just in closing, I mentioned it last week, but next week we're going to do the introduction of the archaeology series. And it's, the introduction is really quite extensive from pages 73 to 96. And uh, it's, there are no slides although I've put some slides in there, so it won't be as, uh, how can I say, as boring as just reading slide after slide after slide. Uh, but it, and that is why I require you, please read that introduction. It's fairly heavy going, it's really quite intense, it's exhaustive, but we need to read that so that we can 
flow through on uh, the other um, presentations on archaeology. That's pages 73 to 96. Okay? Let's just by a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you again. Lord, again, we've just, uh, we've just skimmed the service, really, of, uh, of uh, what is said about that nation, that special nation, uh, the apple of your eye, Israel. Uh, fa- Father, help us to be students of the word, Lord, to, uh, to, to dig deep into your word, uh, knowing, Lord, that you have a special plan for the nation of Israel. And Lord, as uh, part of your church, Lord, that we would realize, Lord, that the plan you have for Israel is not the plan for us, your church. And the plan for the church is not the plan for Israel. They are indeed the apple of your eye. Help us to understand that. Help us to apply that. And Lord, that we be students of the word, for we ask and pray these things in the name of your precious Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.